And good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. Again, Peter Herbeck with me right now, Vice President and Director of Missions for Renewal Ministries. For more than 30 years, he's been actively involved in evangelization and Catholic renewal throughout Canada, Africa, uh, U.S., Eastern Europe. He's co-host for the weekly television program, The Choices We Face, and Crossing the Goal. He's also heard on the daily radio program, Fire on the Earth, and you can follow his work at RenewalMinistries.net. Peter, good to see you here. We've actually been talking off air the last few days a little bit on this yeah. theme. It is good to see you, Al. Thanks. Yeah. Well, good thanks. to be with you. Yeah, yeah. It's nice to have you here um, in a more formal setting. Let's talk about why uh, this threat of the church changing its teaching on homosexual acts and homosexuality. Why... What has changed to make this appear now uh, an imminent danger? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things we are without question seeing, we've talked about this, Al, a few times on the show over the last couple of years. You know, there really is a, a very significant spiritual battle going on. Uh, the There's a way in which, uh, the, in the timing of things, like there's— not only the sins of the church are surfacing at this particular time, right. but also um, people who hold um, do not hold to the teaching of the church. They no longer accept directly what the scripture teaches. They don't accept what the catechism is teaching. And some of them are in positions of authority. And so sometimes it shakes, it shakes people when you hear it. You know, when you hear a cardinal who's in charge of the, the global synod, that kind of thing coming out and saying what you had uh, yeah. repeated, what you quoted him as saying, basically the, the church's teaching on it is wrong. Well, it just so happens the whole, the whole world is in the midst of uh, a great spiritual battle over the definition of what's a human being, what's a marriage, what's human sexuality, what, what is identity. It's, it seems to be everywhere, and it, and it just looks to me like persons in the church are drifting with the culture. Mm-hmm. And the church's teaching, first of all, people, the church's teaching is absolutely clear on this. Scripture is absolutely clear. Uh, the catechism is clear. Uh, the, 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 the traditional teaching of the church on this for forever, the Judeo-Christian yeah. is absolutely clear why. Um, and so it's important for people not to be kind of shaken by it, but understand I mean, the, the Lord has his church in his hands, right? Right. It belongs to him. Right. And uh, the truth that's there will stand. It will always stand. But we're in the moment of a particular spiritual battle. And uh, that's, I think, personally what's at the heart of it. And, the, you know, I was meditating the other day, Al, on uh, the, the letter to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. And those seven letter, those seven churches, yeah. um, they had, uh, there was a... Sp- specific moment in history that the Lord was saying, he was reading the signs of the times, he was saying what the Spirit was saying to the church, and he was he was addressing the churches about their health and their lack of health. Right. And two of the churches he went after very strongly, Thyatira in particular, had a, had false teachers at the center of a false teacher in particular who was teaching sexual immorality yeah. and who was, and was teaching false prophecy, basically, and Part of the pressure of the church there was to conform with the broader culture because all the cultic stuff was still there. The guilds were there, and they were connected to emperor worship and the rest of it. And there was a high cost mm-hmm. to standing against, to taking up the full reality of Christian teaching about chastity and about human sexuality. And there was a false teacher in the middle of it. And 
What the Lord said in the letter, it's pretty amazing. The judgment of God, he said, I called her to repent, and she wouldn't listen to me. Right. So I'm going to throw her on a sickbed, and I'm going to kill her children. And what he meant was the disciples who were following her teaching false teaching. Paul said, some of you are sick. Because you're teaching false teaching, right? Yeah. You're giving into it. So this is a reality that happens sometimes in the Christian community. Those seven churches sort of represent, almost in history, the health and lack of health historically that happens in the churches. And one of the temptations, one of the things that emerges, is false teachers emerge sometimes. People in positions of authority who just stop believing some of what has been revealed. And then they teach what isn't true. And some of, the, some of what's emerging in these areas with both homosexuality and the gender ideology, which is right there along with the homosexual issue, the LGBTQ stuff, which you pointed to the National Catholic Reporter article, they're, they're all on board with this stuff. And so it's important to understand we're in a spiritual battle. Yeah. And that is St. John Paul II said, this battle lies within the plans of divine providence. It's in the hands of the Lord. And um, I couldn't help but think of some of the things Pope Francis has said over the years about some of this. Yeah. Uh, you know, like he was talking about the, the gender ideology issue, right. which is also present here in the conversation, being pushed forward at the German Synod and mm-hmm. other places. Mm-hmm. He, said, he said this ideology of gender that's emerged globally is demonic. Yeah. He's yeah. right. Yeah. He's absolutely right. Yeah. And there's a deconstruction of the human person that's going on throughout society. Human beings have shifted from saying, I'm receiving from the God who made me. Creation itself reveals the telos, the meaning, the reality of human sexuality. Um, and it's something we receive. It's not something we create. Right. And the family, this, the, the fundamental institution that God himself established and created male and female, this is the stuff that's being attacked nonstop. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, I'm so thankful for the work that St. John Paul II did, which is peculiar now, uh, of the theology of the body, which respected this very, the telos, the language yeah. of the body, the yeah. meaning. It's written into basically the, the meaning of the cosmos is written right into the chromosomes of our body, right. you know, right. and the language of the body and the harmony. And never forget, the family images God. It's the icon of God in the earth. Of course the enemy's going to attack it, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, it's Sister, it's Sister Lucia talked about, you know, she sent this letter to Cardinal Kafara, you know, that Our Lady said to her, the final battle is going to be over the family. Because if you deconstruct the family, which is what culture's doing, right. and now voices in the church are doing it. Yeah. They're flattening it, minimizing it, that kind of thing. That's where the battle is because it images its creator yeah. and his creative order. Yeah, very much. I mean, the Trinity is a communion of persons in fruitful love and communication. Um, people often say, I mean, why is this happening? And I, this is where I, I think it's very important to just remember uh, that the church is Christ's. It's not yes. somebody else's. It's, it's, this is Jesus' body. But uh, throughout the history of Israel and into the, even the, the apostolic church, there's a principle called divine discipline, and it's uh, ba- basically when the the son doesn't hear uh, the instruction of the father, well, daddy spanks, you know. And so do not despise the Lord's instruction, my son. Do not loathe his discipline, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves, just as a father disciplines the son in whom he delights. 
So it's in some ways, it's a very simple principle at work here. When the child ignores his father's instruction, love requires that discipline follows. And that that's not only a proverbial expression in the Old Testament, it's also a principle in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. Do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you are reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And, you know, if you ask God not to discipline us, you're asking him to love us less, right? So we know the principle is that he loves us where we are in order to move us to where he is. And if we won't move, then discipline has to come. And that's what that's what we've got right now. It seems to me we're seeing, you know, a friend of mine who became a bishop, one of the first things when I asked him, hey, what's it like being a bishop? He said, well, I'm learning to manage decline. So this is what the church in America anyways is facing. It's facing decline. It is facing, in my estimation, divine discipline. Yeah. This is the Father... God squeezing us so hard, some bones are going to break. But it is tough love. And those of us who know that the church is Christ's body, we're going to have to stand firm. And this is going to be this is going to be unpleasant. It's going to be unpleasant. I think that's what we have to keep yeah. in mind. And, you know, two things come to mind now. Number one, uh, again, thinking of the book of Revelation, the first chapter there, John writes a letter to the seven churches about what he's experienced when the Lord himself appeared to him in such a powerful way. He's, he's concerned. He's a shepherd concerned about the seven churches and the struggles and what they're up against, martyr, martyrdom, being thrown in jail, all kinds of things, compromise. And he writes the beginning of the letter, I, John, share with you, what did he say he shares with all the believers? The tribulation, the kingdom, and the patient endurance. Welcome to the normal Christian life yeah. in a fallen world. That's right. That's a battle between the kingdoms. The tribulation, Jesus said on that, that beautiful Last Supper discourse of John, he told the apostles as they were about to walk into something, they it was like their worst nightmare about what they were going to see and experience. He said, um, in this world, brothers, you will have tribulation, right. Right. but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. Right. Right? right, So John is saying we're sharing in the tribulation, Jesus said, but he's king now, and we're actually living in the kingdom together already. The already and the not mm-hmm. yet is That's happening right. in us. Yeah. He's with us. We're in his body. His indestructible, unstoppable kingdom has begun, and we just need to stand. Right. We need to be faithful. Right. And so then the next step, he says, we're sharing the patient endurance. Enduring what? Persecution, trial difficulty, all that. And the pressure comes from a world that's saying, stop believing what you believe. Stop promoting what you believe. And this is the counterculture reality of what it means to be a disciple. And we've lived in a very comfortable country, the wealthiest country the world's ever seen, mostly friendly to Christianity yeah. for almost it. So Catholics had a little trouble at the beginning, but you know what I mean? A little yeah. pushback. Yeah. But it's been easy street for us on a certain level. But we've watched from a distance Christians being persecuted, beheaded, rejected, all that kind of stuff. And now the hostility, the kings of the earth are setting themselves against the Lord and his anointed. That's part of what's going on. That's right. And we're we're observing it. And it's, again, we're actually seeing these problems emerge within the church itself. So we're going to continue to focus on uh, these problems, but also we want to focus on how a disciple of Jesus deals with them. Uh, it's it's not enough to be worried or uh, you know uh, flush with it in shame or embarrassment. We got to take positive action.
And let me say that uh, one of them, uh, Cardinal uh, Holerich, uh from Luxembourg has been appointed by Pope Francis to be the uh, the leader of the Synod on Synodality, which is scheduled for next year. The German uh, church has been going through this synodal path where they invite lay people to uh, basically what it seems to me basically they're taking a vote on various issues here. I mean, there's discussion, and then they take a vote. But one, give you some idea of what these numbers are before we get back to the specific uh, larger uh, threats here. But on women priests, which, by the way, St. John Paul II uh, claimed to have definitively ruled on this question. So it's not as though this was an open question. the idea here of uh, not excluding women from the ministerial priesthood, um, 174 people would like to see uh, women involved in the sacramental office. Only 30 came against. Let me just give you one question here on blessing celebrations for couples who love each other. This was obviously a way of saying uh, couples heterosexual or homosexual couples. Uh, 161 say, yeah, let's do those blessings, okay? Only 34 resisted. Uh, 174 people wanted to see the church's teaching on homosexuality and chastity uh, reevaluated and rewritten, 174 to 22. Uh, 169 to 30 wanted to see the uh, question of uh, contraception uh, well, changed. Uh, so, you see, now this is in Germany. Now this is in Germany. It, it's legitimate to ask, well, who the heck are these people who are voting, right? Uh, we don't have a really good beam on that. We know, though, that uh, this has gone on with the blessing what appears to be a majority of the German bishops. So it, it's not nothing. It's not just a bunch of laity coming around, you know, uh, shooting off their mouths and taking a vote. So we've got some serious, serious problems there. Also, this synodal process is supposed to be done globally next year. I mean, there's going to be a synod on synodality next year. And the cardinal who's going to be overseeing that is Cardinal Hollerich of Luxembourg, who has said himself that the Catholic Church is teaching Uh, present teaching on homosexuality is fundamentally false and needs to be revised. So these are important areas. Uh, Peter, uh, Pope Francis in all of this, uh, he's spoken on this question of gender ideology before he spoke. And when he was was in Argentina, he uh, really had a, a public fight with the president of Argentina over the question of homosexual marriage. So he clearly was against it. Um, what do we know from him regarding this question of homosexuality, gender, and this present fight? Yeah, you know, in the uh, document of Morris Letizia, he said something, I think, which represents uh, a Christian mind and uh, the mind of a disciple. And he said, yet another challenge is posed by the various forms of an ideology of gender that denies the difference and the reciprocity in nature of a man and a woman. Yeah. And envisages 
a society without sexual differences, thereby eliminating the anthropological basis for the family, the objective grounding, in other words, for the family, objective grounding of reality. It's anthropological. It's at the fundamental level. And he goes on. He said, this ideology leads to educational programs, which you see all over the schools everywhere in the Mm -hmm. West right now, and legislative enactments, which is happening. Governments are getting behind this stuff like crazy and canceling. People get canceled if they're not getting on board. And he goes on to say, that promote a personal identity and emotional intimacy radically separated from the biological difference between male and female. Consequently, human identity becomes the choice of the individual one which can also change over time. It needs to be emphasized that the biological sex and the sociocultural sexual role, that is what people would call gender, can be distinguished, but never can be separated, the yeah. two, right? Yep. So it's interesting. He's, saying, he's pointing to something that Pope Bendik put his finger on very strongly, and John Paul II did as well. There's a pressure from the culture. The spiritual battle is to disconnect human sexuality from its objective grounding in its anthropological root. And so Pope Benedict put it this way. He said when the sexual revolution broke from maybe you could call the language of the body, the objective reality, what's communicated between male and female, it lost its grounding and then it landed on finding its grounding in the subjective feelings of the person. That's the reality that now defines the meaning of it. So there's, there's been some good work by various bishops on this, the um, I just want to mention Archbishop Carlson, now retired, Archdiocese of St. Louis, wrote a really good document called pa- Compassion and Challenge, addressing these areas, Alan. Just in summary, he said, the philosophy that's emerging has shifted from that objective grounding of the truth to this. He said three main points. Number one, now feelings define our identity. How we feel is who I How I feel is who I am, number one. Number two, human integrity means acting on the persistence, persistent desires that I experience. I have to be true to myself. Number three, anyone who doesn't affirm these feelings and actions hates me. These three things. So the idea, the, the subject, so the persistent feelings that I have are the definer, my heart. What's in, what's, instead of how has God made things, what's the creative order, what's the language of the body, it's very interesting that some of the people driving the family synods just a few years ago, they never mentioned the theology of the body. Right. About, so there, there really is, there are a set of people somewhere in leadership mm-hmm. that want to push this agenda of gender ideology, homosex, accepting homosexuality, and they want to get rid of the teaching of St. John Paul II, which was a beautiful articulation, a powerful one of the entire history of the teaching of the church in a certain way right. on this area. So... One last thing, real yeah. quick. A disciple. Now, uh, the, what's, what's so interesting is that for a disciple, for someone who calls himself Catholic, for example, to say that, well, I'm acting on these things because of the depth of the desire that I feel in my heart. Well, the disciple understands that my heart has fallen and corrupted. And you know what I mean? And I don't, yeah. I don't trust my heart. Original sin's real. Right. And the flesh is real. And we can have lots of desires that we say yes to, that we see around us. When we say yes to them, they do some real damage to us, right? And so it goes back to St. Francis, for me, a simple image of him kneeling before the cross and regularly praying, God, who are you 
and who am I? Christ tells me how to be true to myself. I was made for him. I was made by him. And the Christians got to know that. So some of these leaders who are taking these radical stands, just, you know, hopefully some other bishops are going to rise up and they're going to address this directly. I think they I think point they, it out. Yeah, I think you they know? will. I mean, Archbishop Gomez uh, began this process yeah. uh, a few months ago. But the, this is important. Who, who does define who we are, right? Yeah. A disciple, when he's fully formed, will be like his master, Jesus says. The disciple finds his identity in wanting to imitate the master. And um, I think this is at the core of what it means to be a, a Christian of any sort. We are uh, regenerate. We are born again to a living hope. We are in formation. We are being conformed to Christ's character. We are being purged of disordered self-love. We are becoming um, who we were created to be, but because of fall, concupiscence, and sin, uh, we've had that divine life throttled out of us. Jesus calls us to follow him. That's where we find our identity. We don't find it in massaging our um, our feelings. Uh, we don't find it in uh, determining who I feel sexual attraction towards. We find it in pursuing the master. And again, I want to come back. as When a disciple is fully formed, he'll be like his master. This is what's lost in all this. Uh, yeah. What's lost is who are we to become, not who have we been, not who, as we examine you know, our, our own divine entrails, right? I've got, let me look at my, my gut here to see who I really am. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for who are we to become in the future. And we become that, as Matthew Kelly says, our best version of ourselves. when we become disciples of the Master. He is the one who defines who we are. Our creator, our yeah. redeemer. And, and I mean, you can say it's sympathetic and have a certain compassion to say for people say, I have this really strong driving desire within me. Of course. Okay? Yes. Right. Yes. And so the church understands that with compassion, but she understands it and she discerns the feeling that, you know, the feelings are real. They're data. We should take them into consideration, but we always have to bring them to the feet of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. And, and to, to the Lord who, who says, I'm the way and the truth and life. I'm going to give you light. In this darkness, I'm the truth about the human person and about God. I'm the way home to the Father. Follow me on these things. So, Scripture's clear. The teaching of the Lord is clear. Uh, the Catechism is clear. This is the place we say. And right now, there's a battle going on to maintain that truth. And Jesus, the, the fundamental truths will not change. The, the battles within the hands of divine providence, as Saint John Paul II said, and Nothing will stop the Lord, and a great purging is going on in the church yeah. right now. Yeah. It's a significant one. Jesus said in John 15, my father's the vine dresser. He cuts off dead wood. Yeah. And there's people who are actually not Christian by the way they live and what they teach that see themselves in the church. For their sake, they need to know they're not in the church. Right. I mean, right. That, that they're not in right alignment with the Lord. That's and even right. if a higher, even if a bishop teaches falsely, someone has to stand up and say, no, you're wrong, right? Right. right. And repent. Yeah. Repent of it. It's just wrong. You can't lead people in this way. And to warn, like St. Paul says, convince, rebuke, exhort, warn, that kind of stuff has to emerge now at a time like this in the church when there is so much false teaching that's emerging. Yeah. Uh, 
I want to make sure we get in what's coming up with the the Lift Jesus Higher rally. Let's just uh, mention that, and we'll come back to it in fuller form later. But what's going yeah, on? Yeah, we're going to have our annual Lift Jesus Higher rally. We're located at Christ the King. It's normally in Toronto, a very large event, but COVID won't let that happen. So we're live streaming from Christ the King in Ann Arbor, and we want people to come who can to join us in person. Yeah. But also it'll be available on our YouTube channel, and people will be able to watch it anywhere. And I can give more details after the break. If sure. You no, very good. It's important. Again, that we... This is, this is not the kind of thing that can be combated on our own. We have to combat it together as members of Christ's body using the gifts with which we've been, uh, uh, we've been, gifts have been bestowed upon us, which we need to cultivate and exercise. So we're going to come back and continue this conversation. There's a different creed afoot. There's a different sense of community. There's a different narrative. Those are all opposed to what the church is about. Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta with me, Peter Herbeck of Renewal Ministries. We've been dealing with a very unpleasant aspect of modern Catholic life, and that is what's been going on in Germany in what they call the synodal way, which uh, for all... In all honesty, it looks pretty much like taking votes on um, what the church ought to teach. So you've got the the vote. The votes were taken, and the church, according to the German synodal way, uh, the church ought to change its teaching on homosexuality. It ought to change its teaching on the ordination of women. It ought to change, change its teaching on chastity. It ought to change its teaching on homosexuality in general. It ought to change its teaching on contraception. Those are the questions that were taken up by these participants in the German synodal way. Now, uh, we knew this was coming, and we knew the numbers would be likely they'd be bad like this. But what makes it more disturbing is that uh, Pope Francis has appointed uh, a cardinal from Luxembourg, Cardinal Hollerich, to be the— basically the lead figure in the upcoming uh, Synod on Synodality for 2023, which is for the global church, just like we had this German thing for the German German Catholics, right? So it's going to be now a global synod, and uh, we'll see how that plays out. But the fellow who's, you know, the, the chief of this uh, 2023 synod, actually claims that the church's prohibition on same-sex acts um, is uh, uh, false, <laughs> that it's rooted in a, misunder- in a scientific and sociological misunderstanding, uh, which I, I, when I first read it, I said, well, what are you talking about? The church's doctrine was not rooted in a, a sociological position or a scientific position. It was rooted in natural law. Um, so it's not clear exactly what he's saying, but He's certainly not saying that he's affirming the teaching of John Paul II or the Catechism or the, the Christian tradition. So we've got—these are not things on the margin any longer. These are things that are beginning to reach center. Uh, and they're going to be part of our conversation, and we're going to have to figure out how to deal with it because, in my estimation, uh, God is disciplining the church. Uh, he he disciplines us because he loves us, and right now, and discipline is never pleasant. Uh, 
so that's why I'm saying these are unpleasant matters. Important for us to go over them. Peter, you've been watching this for many years um, and praying about it. And uh, I recall a conversation you and I had about uh, an experience you had in Uganda a few years ago. Yeah, it was uh, in the summer of 2016. I was part of a team with the Archbishop of Riga, Latvia, and others. Uh, with uh, We had the privilege of being about 350 priests and bishops from five East African countries for the week. And and I happened to be teaching on Evangelii Gaudium when I was there and other things, the Pope's first encyclical. But uh, the fourth day I was there, we had Mass together, all of us, and I came and sat down on my, my chair after communion. And it was just praying very peacefully, very grateful in the quiet moment. And then I just felt it was one of those very unusual moments where I felt like the Lord said, I didn't hear anything audible, but in my heart, like, take up your journal. So I grabbed my journal. And this is what I felt like the Lord said to me. Uh, and I wrote it down. I brought it home and shared it later with Ralph Martin and other friends and were discerning it at the time. He said, uh, I feel like the Lord said, I'm coming to bring discipline to my church. I'm coming to free her from spiritual strongholds that are binding her and that she herself cannot release that he's going to come and free the church from stuff that's binding her. And some of the things we're looking, we're experiencing right now, I think, is exactly what I felt like he was saying. And then I, I wrote down, he said, you're going to see chaos, apostasy, rage, and confusion emerging throughout the church and across the culture. That was 2016. And I didn't exactly know what it meant, you know. Right. But over time, it's amazing to see what's been happening because mm-hmm. I think it's true. And I also felt like the Lord said, I'm going to empty the idols of the world before my church to show her. She's she's groveling after them, you know, yeah. in many ways, and to, to purify her. And it, it made me think then, later I pulled out some notes, or Ralph Martin pulled out some notes, Father Mike Scanlon's prophecy that a time of judgment and purification was coming on the world and on the church, this purification you were just describing, mm-hmm. Al, you know, and I was thinking of, uh, you know, things St. John Paul II and Pope Benedict had said, but I, I, I was, Pope Benedict had his finger, I thought, really powerfully on understanding the moment we're living in when he said he said we're seeing today the faith is in danger of going out like a flame which no longer has fuel because humanity is pushing god from the human horizon and the light which comes from god begins to go dim and darkness begins to set in and as a result humanity is losing its bearings he said with increasingly evident and destructive effect it's exactly what's going on yeah. you know yeah. and um and it's it's really amazing to see, he said, this general perversion begins to settle in. And he said, what is unnatural then in a society that's turning away from the light, he said, the unnatural becomes normal. The person begins to live against the truth and against his own nature. The people's power of invention no longer serves the good, but the ingenuity and refinement of evil. The relationship between man and wife, between parents and children is dissolved. And in this way, the sources of life become blocked. It's no longer the of life that reigns, but death and a civilization of death begins to emerge. And he says, what we see then is truth itself becomes far distant and it doesn't show its power. He said, instead, the opinions of men and women begin to dominate and people begin to follow it. Man fears the close-at-hand appearance of the power of human opinion more than the distant, powerless light of God's truth. So people bow to the power of opinion, and they become its bearers. They become slaves to this appearance, he said. Once they become, once 
they have begun to become involved with it, they must go following it step by step. They can indeed no longer break from the net of shared pretense that has emerged. An entire society can thus fall from the truth into shared deceit and into a slavery of untruth. Mm. Now, that to me, that's exactly what we are seeing. Yeah. And uh, tremendous insight uh, from Pope Benedict and even Pope Francis on some of these things. And so it's a spiritual battle yeah. and uh, that we find ourselves in. And for the disciple, it's a moment of fidelity to Christ, faithfulness to Christ. You know, this is uh, it's going to be interesting to see exactly how the uh, bishops in the United States are going to, to deal with this. I, I said, said earlier, I was glad to see our Archbishop Gomez of Los Angeles uh, speak very frankly, about the conflict that we're having with our culture. Um, He was addressing the way that American culture is giving us a new creed, uh, a new sense of community, um, and uh, a new set of values, and that these are often in direct contradiction to uh, um, uh, what the church teaches. So, so for instance, uh, we all recognize that it's important that uh, any flourishing community uh, be inclusive of those who, you know, are legitimate members of it. But the question always is, what does it mean to be a legitimate member? You know, and yeah. within the church, there's certain criteria for what it means to be a member. If if, if you're uh, not baptized, have no desire for baptism, if you're not someone who has affirmed uh, that you are submissive to all that the Catholic Church teaches— um, you're really not in membership, you know. Um, you're in, in, and in that sense, you don't have a voice. Yeah. And that's that's what's not. Nobody is bothering. It seems to me, nobody is bothering to determine that whether those who are engaging in this uh, synod on the synod business, uh, who who's taking who's participating in it. Yeah. What's the who gets whose whose voice gets to be heard? I'm not talking here about normal conversation where you're you do want to hear what unbelievers think you want to hear what those who have fallen away from the church think and, you know and sometimes you just listen you know you're not stuffing them with answers you, right. just, you just want to know where they're coming from that's one thing but when you're talking about development of doctrine and you decide to take a survey of people who claim to be catholic and all of a sudden the 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 person who's been uh, prayerful for 25 years been faithful in attendance at mass has been growing in his understanding of the faith and you put that person uh basically give that person a vote over against someone who hasn't been to mass in 25 years and hasn't really shown much concern but when you ask him if he's catholic he says yeah I'm catholic um look why would the the person who has refused uh, Christ's offer to be in communion uh, over these years, why would he have an opportunity to shape doctrine in the Catholic Church through this process of synodality? That's what we're trying to figure out. And this is one of the problems is we don't know this process, and it looks stinky. Something looks rotten about it. And so we'll see. We'll see where this goes. Uh, the uh, the Holy Father uh, has said in 2023 there's going to be a global synod on synodality. Hopefully we'll find out more 
before that time and also find out what Jean-Claude, Cardinal Jean-Claude Hollerich of Luxembourg is actually uh, intending. He's the relator general of this uh, unfolding synod on synodality. But uh, there's no doubt about it, the church is being disciplined. Yeah, and I think I think one of the goals of the synods is to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. That's they that, want to hear that, what. So that's part of it. That's a good impulse. Uh, in absolutely, and of itself. it's a very good impulse. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the uh, you could say at any given time the fundamental things that the Spirit is saying to the church came from the mouth of Christ: love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength; love your neighbor as yourself. And go make disciples of all nations. Yeah. I mean, these are the fundamental things that will never change about the church's yeah. call and mission. Yeah. But the dialogue with people who are struggling with issues, have a different opinion about things, that's fine to do. But the church the church is then discerning how is it that we reach these people with the good news, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the point. Yeah. It's not like, let's be more conformed to the world, and then they'll get us, they'll like us, it'll work out better. Or that the world is now coming to tell the church that what you thought was light is not really light. The light's over here. Yeah. So be more like us, and you will <laughs> you will be developing as a healthier body yeah. organization or something like that. No, we're, con- we're convinced the unchangeable truth of the revelation of Jesus Christ the Lord for the salvation of the world, the battle between the kingdoms, the biblical worldview is real, and it's not going to change. The, the the irony of trying to accommodate to the world uh, is that the world itself doesn't really care. Yeah, <laughs> you know? That's right. It's already got its position. And so if the Catholic Church changes its teaching on homosexuality, I've been telling people this, I said, if all of a sudden the Church decides that homosexuality is okay, then I say to myself, well, I did think that once when I was, in se- when I was 17 years old. Why would I want to be a member of a church that took 50 years to catch up with what I thought when I was 17, right? I mean, it it gets crazy when you begin to talk about accommodating to the world. And by that, we are not talking about listening to the world and what the concern of the human heart is. We're talking about those who would like to legislate what the uh, new doctrine uh, for the Catholic Church, which is what we're seeing in Germany right now. Yeah, and what needs to be done— is the, is not the undermining of scripture, but that but instilling confidence in people right. of the authoritative reality of scripture and the teaching of the catechism in the church. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, hang in there. We'll come back for a minute or so and sure. tell us what's going sure. on with you the bet. lift Jesus higher. Peter Herbeck, my guest, Renewal Ministries. We've been talking about this troubling destabilization of doctrine that we're seeing in Germany and also the remarks of a very influential cardinal from Luxembourg, who's the Relator General for this upcoming Synod on Synodality. Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. With me, Peter Herbeck of Renewal Ministries. Got just about a minute here, Peter. Again, what's coming up with the Lift Jesus Higher Rally? Lift Jesus Higher Rally going to be at Christ the King Church, March 5th. 9 o'clock in the morning till 3.30 in the afternoon. It's going to be live stream, but also we're going to have an in-house crowd for anybody in the region who wants to come. we got Father Simon Lobo, Heather Kim's going to be there, Ralph Martin, myself, Michael Dopp, Peter Burak, a whole set of, set of folks. Wonderful day. We're focusing on more than conquerors to know how to, to register and to get ready for it. It's You go to ljhr.ca, ljhr.ca. 
ca. That's liftjesushigherrally.ca. So yeah. just just do ljhr.ca, and you can register and find out all the details about it. It's going to be a great day. Great speakers, great worship. We're going to have adoration, prayer for healing, all kinds of great stuff going to be yeah. happening. Yeah, that's coming so, right up to March 5th. March right? 5th, yep. All right, so just get on over there, and uh, you'll find out get more information. Thanks for being with me today. Sorry that there is so much unpleasantness, but... Got to be on our guard. Cresta in the Afternoon is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. To follow up on any of the guests or information presented on today's program, visit the Cresta Guest Archive at AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E-M-A-R-I-A Radio.net. To listen to this or any other edition of Cresta in the Afternoon, visit the audio archives at AveMariaRadio.net. Or to order a CD of the program, call 734-930-4506 or email orders at AveMariaRadio.net. That's 734-930-4506 or orders at AveMariaRadio.net.